You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. So you go to the gym for specific, to work on specific areas, you know, and develop those areas. Well, guys, church is our spiritual gym. We come to work out certain areas of our spiritual physique, replacing the fat of worry and anger and impatience and lust. I mean, replacing that with the fitness of faith and joy. How's your workout routine? Everywhere you look and even around the corner, you'll find a fitness center to work out your body. These public gyms have certain tools to work the specific muscles in your body. Being a part of a church and even a tight-knit group of believers can help you work out your spiritual muscles. Pastor Dion urges that a faith that is strong is one that constantly seeks out ways to grow in Christ. As you listen, exercise your faith and ask God what areas need work today. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Acts chapter 17 as he begins his message, Not Ashamed of the Gospel. We know that Jesus had commissioned Paul early in the book of Acts. Jesus, a resurrected Jesus, appeared to Paul and commissioned him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Can we say that out loud? The apostle to the Gentiles. Jesus asked Paul to carry the good news about salvation in Jesus beyond Israel and to the non-Jews. Because obviously, Jesus came, He lived, He worked, He died, He resurrected in Israel, among the Jews. And that message was more than just a Jewish message. The message of salvation is for everyone. Everybody said, for who? For everyone. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever, not just Jews, believe in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so Jesus commissioned Paul to go take this gospel message beyond Israel to non-Jews. Well, Paul did it. He, in fact, Paul led four missions covering over 12,000 miles on foot and faced incredible challenges and obstacles as he did it. In fact, here's Paul's own testimony from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Here's what Paul said. He said, five different times the Jews gave me their terrible 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And once I was in the open sea all night and the whole next day. I have traveled many weary miles and have been often in great danger from flooded rivers and from robbers and from my own people, the Jews as well as from the hands of the Gentiles. I have faced grave dangers from mobs in the city and from death in the desert and in the stormy seas and from men who claim to be brothers in Christ but are not. I have lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights, 
Often I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. Often I have shivered with cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Wow. That sounds crazy. Everybody said it sounds what? It it sounds crazy. What would compel a man to make those kind of sacrifices? Well, Paul was motivated by this. Everybody said out loud what? Crazy love. Say it again. Crazy. Look at your neighbor and smile at him as you say it. Tell him crazy love. That's what motivated Paul. Paul had a crazy love for Jesus and a crazy love for the people Jesus wanted to reach. Not only did he have a crazy love for the Lord, But he had a crazy love for all of those people that Jesus sent him out to reach. In fact, listen how Paul explained his crazy love sacrifices. In 2 Corinthians 5.12, he said, If I'm crazy, it's that I'm crazy about you. Doing whatever necessary to win you to Christ. (laughs) Everybody said crazy love. Crazy love motivated him. You know, many of us Christians are lacking crazy love. But the story of Paul in Athens reminds us that we need a crazy love for the lost. So we're going to read the story. So let's start with the record from chapter 17 and verse 14, and here's what it says. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there, meaning Berea. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens. And receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. So here's what takes place. Paul has some crazy love. He's already traveled some 7,000 miles in preaching the gospel to the non-Jewish people. People in Syria, people in Turkey, and now people in Greece. He has this crazy love that Paul left Luke to pastor and teach the new believers in a place called Philippi. And Paul, remember, and Silas and Timothy and, and Luke came to Philippi and a church was started. God did some amazing things in Philippi. Paul and Silas got in some trouble for preaching Christ and they were actually told to get out of town. So they left Luke to stay there and pastor while they went to Thessalonica. In Thessalonica, they preached the gospel and, hey, listen, people believed in Jesus Christ and another church erupted. Then they ended up going to a place called Berea. And they left Thessalonica simply because they got in trouble for preaching again, but too late, a church was started. So they went to Berea. And there in Berea, also they found people who were very interested in God's Word, very accepting of Jesus Christ, and another church started. So at that point, the people from Thessalonica who were hunting Paul came to Berea, and Paul needed to get out of town. So Paul is going to take off to Athens. But before he does, he leaves Silas and Timothy. Now, Luke is in Philippi as a pastor there, and he leaves now Silas and Timothy in Berea to pastor the two churches in Berea and Thessalonica. You see that? So, that's what's taking place. And the reason that we point that out, guys, is so that we see that it's not enough that we be saved. 
We must also grow in our salvation. In fact, Paul said it like this in one of his letters to one of the churches. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he said this. Read it with me. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So Paul went to these places. He preached the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. People responded and they congregated. They wanted to know more. So Paul left pastor leaders there, Luke, Silas, Timothy, in those places, to help them grow because they need to continue to work out salvation in fear and trembling. Not to work for their salvation, but to work on their salvation. Developing strength of salvation. Right? That's what the whole church was for. See, if you go to the gym, you work out to develop specific areas of your physique. You know, your core, your guns, your chest, you know, and I push my chest out as I say that. But you go to work those things out, but don't forget leg day, or you're going to end up like this guy right here, right? So you go to the gym for specific, to work on specific areas, you know, and develop those areas. Well, guys, church is our spiritual gym. We come to work out certain areas of our spiritual physique, replacing the fat of worry and anger and impatience and lust. I mean, replacing that with the fitness of faith and joy and love and forgiveness and peace and humility and self-control. That's the reason. That's what we're doing here. Look at your neighbor and say, that's why we're here. We're working out our salvation. Growing in grace. Conforming to Christ. Getting pumped up. Right? In fact, look at your neighbor and tell him, get pumped up! And I'm not talking about emotionally. We're talking about spiritually. So, while the team stayed behind, Luke Silas, Timothy. While they stayed behind pumping up believers and getting them fit where they were, we read that Paul traveled 200 miles south to Athens. Everybody say the name of the city. What? Athens. And there he waited for the team. That's what he said. He said, I'm going to wait here until you guys can come down and join me here. And so Paul waits in this city, Athens. Now, as Paul walked through the city of Athens, he probably felt as uncomfortable as Billy Graham at a Slipknot or a Black Sabbath concert, if you know what I mean. What's going on here? See, the Athenians had built their city around four things. Everybody said what? Four things. There were four things at the center of the Athenians' life. Athens revolved around four things. And if you'll notice, this is the city all the way around, is all the way around these four particular things. And that's what the Athenians basically lived their life around. They would be, was the centerpiece of their lives. Not just of their city, but of their life. The first thing that they actually, you know, lived around and was the center of their life was actually this whole thing called idolatry. Everybody say it out loud. What? Idolatry. See, there were over 120,000 idol statues 
in the city, in that center area, in the city of Athens. In fact, right here is the temple of Zeus. It had many idols, and they worshipped Zeus and other gods there. Up here is the Parthenon. That was a huge construct. It was actually the temple of the sex goddess Athena. And this was at the center of their life. And both here and here, you could meet a temple prostitute and worship through sexual activity any of those gods or goddesses or idols that were around there. It was horrible. It was disgusting. But that was the center of their lives. Everybody said idolatry. I mean, the next thing that they actually cultivated or was at the center of their life was something we'd call entertainment. Everybody say it out loud. What? Right here was a 60,000 seat Colosseum. 60,000 seat Colosseum in the center of town. Why? Because they worshipped also entertainment. I mean, the theater, what the 60,000 seat theater hosted was Olympic Games, gladiator games, concerts, plays, sports events, you know, a show called The Voice, you know, and and AGT, Athens Got Talent, is what they hosted there. Yeah, they were the bomb, all right? That was at the center of their life. Idolatry and entertainment, two things thus far. Everybody say the two, idolatry and entertainment. And not just, you know, generally, but specifics. They worshipped. It was the center of their life. Here's the third thing that Athens revolved around was enterprise. Everybody said what? Enterprise. Right here, in between the Colosseum of the theater and the Parthenon, was something called the Agora. Everybody say it out loud. What? The Agora. That is the marketplace. That's what they called the marketplace. And man, that marketplace there, the Agora in Athens, was busier than Walmart on Black Friday. I mean, vendors sold groceries, clothing, and wares. Anything and everything you could possibly need was in the Agora. And then there was what they call buskers. They were street performers. And they would entertain you with music and magic and drama for a donation, of course. You know, Elvis impersonators were there. Hey, pretty mama. That's what they did. And they would do that. And it was a huge marketplace. Unbelievable. That was the third thing. Then here's the fourth thing that Athens revolved around was something called philosophy. Everybody say it out loud. What? At the center, just beyond the Agora, you see this little hill here. It was called Mars Hill. And on Mars Hill was where the intellectual philosophers of the world gathered. It was a place where Greek thoughts and values were actually hashed out. And it was this particular place, Mars Hill, was the trendsetter for Greek thought and values. In fact, for many years, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle set the bar for ethics, morality, and culture in Athens. All right? And so the Athenians had lived their life around that. But then, after Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, a guy by the name of Epicurus came along. Now, what this guy, Epicurus, picture Charlie Sheen in a toga, all right? That's who Epicurus was. Epicurus' philosophy of life took the world by storm because his logic was, 
You only live once, so party like a rock star. I mean, the philosophy was eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Now, that's what the Athenians, that was at the center of their life. That's what they lived around. It was the core of who they were. So far we have idolatry, entertainment, enterprise, and philosophy. And the philosophy is, party like a rock star. Now when Paul walked through the city and saw people so distracted and deceived that they were oblivious to the danger of eternal life, we're going to read that Paul's spirit was provoked. It was stirred. It was aroused. It was accosted by what he saw. In fact, let's read verse 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens... His spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city was given over to idols. When he saw the way people were living, and he saw that they were oblivious to eternal consequences. They're just living it up. His whole spirit was provoked. If a woman screamed and pointed to a burning house saying her baby was inside, Would you ignore her and tell yourself that it's not your baby? Or it's not your problem? Or would you risk your life to save the child? Paul is stirred because he knows that the Athenians are in a burning building. He can't sit idly by and do nothing. And neither should we. Look at your neighbor and say, neither should we. You see, Jesus modeled for us A love for the lost. On one occasion, after a long day of ministry, Jesus gathered the disciples in a boat. And He said, let's get away for a while. Been a long day. People have been pressing on us. The demands of ministry and people's needs, it's pressed on us. And after a long day of ministry, Jesus gathers the disciples, gets in the boat, says, let's get away for a while. But the Sea of Galilee is very small. And so the people watched which direction the boat with Jesus and the disciple was going. And they anticipated the destination. We know where he's going. So they walked around the lake or around the Sea of Galilee and got there before the ship or the little boat did. When the boat arrived, the crowd was already there and the disciples blew a gasket. They complained and criticized. Everybody do it. You're good at it. Go ahead. Look at your neighbor and do it. Flat tires all over that boat. And they hadn't been saved that long, so probably a few choice words that we won't say here. They were frustrated, tired. But Jesus had compassion on the crowd because here's what He said. They were like sheep Without a shepherd. That was the lesson. Jesus cares is the lesson. Say it out loud. Good place to applaud. That was the lesson. Jesus cares. You know, there are a lot of lost and hurting sheep around us. Some of them might act more like hogs and frogs than they do sheep. But they are just lost sheep in need of the good shepherd. 
So we need to care. Not complain, not criticize, and not condemn. You brought it upon yourself. You made your bed, sleep on it. Wanting to pull me away from my time. They're just sheep in need of a shepherd. We have to care. There was another time where Jesus shared three parables that communicated the kind of love that we should have toward the lost. Three parables. The first one was, we need to be like a shepherd who lost his sheep. He leaves the 99 and goes to find the one. It's a love that rescues. That's the kind of heart we need to have. A love that, everybody say it out loud, rescues. The next parable Jesus used, one right after the other, the next one was about a woman who lost a coin. It was a special drachma that came off of her wedding veil. They saved them. It was a special thing. It had fallen in somewhere in her house and they had dirt floors and, you know, it's uneven and around the furniture and easy to get lost. In fact, they even laid out some of these wicker kind of mats and as flooring and it could have fallen between there. So she does not stop until she finds the coin. Jesus said we need to have relentless love and not stop until they are found. So there is, first of all, the love to rescue, a love that rescues, and a love that's relentless. She turned her whole house upside down. The next parable Jesus talked about was a father who lost a son. You're familiar with the prodigal son, the son who takes off, who asks for his part of the inheritance, and then takes it off and spends in riotous living. But when he finally comes to his senses and has spent all of the money, wasted it, and finds himself feeding pigs as a job and desiring to eat what he's serving them because, you know, he's not making enough. He comes back home and his father restores him. In fact, the father saw him from afar off and ran to him. It's a love that runs and restores. So in those three parables, Jesus tells us we've got to have a love that rescues, a love that's relentless, and a love that runs to restore. Well, Paul took Jesus' teachings to heart. He's in this situation surrounded by the lost, and he's literally provoked. He's stirred, a little agitated, a little bugged at what he sees. So many lost people, and they're totally oblivious. But he knows what Jesus has taught. So he engages. He ran to the Athenians' rescue. Look at verse 17. Therefore, Paul reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Our time with you is coming to an end today on The Simple Truth, but we're so glad that you joined us for Pastor Dion's teaching in the book of Acts. There's much more to learn from the life of the early church, so we hope you'll tune in again. If you're listening in the Española area right now, we would like to extend an invitation to you. 
Come join us for our weekly services at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Come by at 9 or 11 a.m. to spend time with us in worship, Bible study, and fellowship. We also meet on Wednesday evenings for a Bible study at 7 and Saturday evenings at 6.30. You'll find directions and more information about Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel when you visit tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, you can still join us virtually through Facebook Live. Just follow the link to our Facebook page at tmcalvary.com and tune in this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to access our archive of previous teachings on various books of the Bible by Pastor Dion. Just click on Sermons at the top of the page to open our audio archive or visit our YouTube page to experience the service through video. Feel free to share these links with anyone in your life that you think might benefit from hearing the simple truth of God's Word. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Simple Truth. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Acts and discover more about the disciples and how the early church got started. Then, join us next time for Pastor Dion's continuing verse-by-verse study right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we proclaim We'll be fools for you as you work in us May your power show in the deeds we sow Let us join our hands and together we stand Together